There is a lot that has changed in our nation over the last 60 years when the Queen came to the throne in 1952. And before any of you younger people say it, I was not around. All right, let me just get that really clear. You come a certain age where with young people you're ancient, do you know what I mean? And I'm not there yet, but some of you will remember that. In 1952, the world was very different, isn't that right? Over the last 60 years, a lot has changed in this nation. When the Queen came to the throne in 1952, there were no microwaves, there were no jet planes, they hadn't been invented, there were no TV remotes or birth control pills, there were no satellites, there were no video games, there were no smoke detectors... There was no digital music, and young people, there were no smartphones. <laughs> Tragedy. And how did people exist and live before Mo? I'm still ringing Phil, okay? So if you could work on that, that would be great. And a hard drive was where you parked the car. If you sick meant genuinely ill. And if you were gay, you were happy and carefree, okay? Things have changed a lot over the last 60 years. But do you know what? As I think back over those decades, the ones I can remember anyway, actually a lot hasn't changed in 60 years as well. People are still looking for the same basic things in life. That hasn't changed over 60 years. People are still looking for love. They're looking for meaning. They're looking for purpose. They're looking to understand why they're here and what it's all about. And that hasn't changed over the last 60 years since the Queen's been on the throne. Lots of other things have changed, but that hasn't. In fact, last night, uh, me and some fellas went out to see a film at the uh, IMAX uh, film. It's not called the IMAX now. The giant screen in Birmingham, Millennium Point, called Prometheus. Anyone heard of the film Prometheus? Okay, it's an amazing film. It's sci-fi, which I don't really do, generally. Um, But it's all kind of precursors to the aliens and all that kind of stuff. It's all very gory and stuff. But what was very interesting to me about the film was the questions that the film was asking were majorly huge questions, the big questions that mankind has had since it walked on this planet. Who created me? Where did I come from? Why am I here? What's the purpose of it all? And where am I going when I die? Basically, that was it, okay? I wanted to stand up in the middle of the cinema, but I thought my friends would be a little uh, annoyed with me and say, great questions, wrong answers. Great questions, you're looking in the wrong place. Don't look in outer space. You don't need to look in outer space. You just need to look in here because that's what God has created. And then God who's made that vacuum inside of you and he's the one who answers all the questions. Amen. But we haven't changed really. We're still looking for the same basic questions to the same uh, answers to the same basic questions. We're still battling the same basic issues that we were 60 years ago. Fear, hate, loneliness, sin, love, meaning, relationship, all those kind of stuff. We're still basically people Who need God? Aren't we? 60 years ago, the world was different, but still, that's what we were like. We're still basically like that. And one day, 2,000 years ago, Jesus, who by now was classed as a rabbi, wandered into a synagogue in his hometown called Nazareth, as was his want on the Sabbath. And he sat down and they passed him the scrolls, because that's what you did with rabbis. And he opened the scrolls and he chose a particular passage of scripture from the Old Testament to read and then to make a very bold and very profound statement. And we're going to look at that this morning in Luke chapter 4. I'm only going to share for a few minutes this morning. Then you're going to hear from some other people. Then we're going to come back, share a little bit more, and then we're going to take communion together. But this is what it says in Luke chapter 4. Jesus returned to Galilee. This is verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. 
That must have been interesting, hasn't it? Because they knew him as a little kid. They knew him as a teenager. They knew him as a young adult. Okay, and, and I don't know what he was like as a kid or a teenager or a young adult, but they knew him, you know, and, and he went back to where he'd been brought up, and now he was a rabbi. And on the Sabbath, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, and then this is what he read. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began his teaching by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, what is he talking about? He's reading from Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord is on me, he's anointing me to do all this great stuff. And there's a, there's a phrase in that that's really important, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. What that means to the Jewish listener is this, jubilee. That's what that means, jubilee. See, jubilee is not about red, white and blue bunting, alright, originally. That's not, the word jubilee is a biblical word, and it comes right out of the book of Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 25 when Moses is trying to, under God's help, form a nation and put some foundations and some framework and some um, moral uh, fibre into the community and establish a nation, Jubilee is put in there as part of that. And Jubilee basically means this. Every seven years in Jewish law, that seventh year was a sabbatical year. It was a year of rest. Okay? And the land would go rest for a year, fallow, and it was all about the rhythm of life and cycles, etc. Every seven sevens, which is what? Oh, great. Seven times table. Come on. Every seven sevens, 49th year, something amazing would happen. A trumpet would be blown, and the year of the Lord's favor or jubilee would be declared. And that 50th year, the year of jubilee, was amazing. Now, if you were around, okay, and you, you lived in a period like that, when you got to the 50th year, the jubilee year, you'd be so excited. Because what happened during the year of jubilee was this. There was a balancing of the economy in the nation. Wouldn't that be amazing if that could happen now? Wouldn't that be amazing? And can I just say, I don't mean to be flippant here at all. We need to pray for our financial and our political leaders in Europe right now. What we're facing, okay, in this economic crisis is much more than economy and money. We're facing some huge issues as mankind. And we need to really pray for the people that are in those positions. But what happened in Jubilee was a balancing of the economic system. Slaves were set free and returned to their families. That's pretty exciting. The property, any property that had been sold would be restored to the original owners. All debts would be cancelled. Can you imagine that? Your mortgage, gone. Just gone like that. Can I hear an amen? <laughs> you can say it as much as you like. It ain't going to happen. <laughs> but that's what would happen in the Jubilee. Everything, all the debts, the land would lie fallow and rest for that whole year. What an amazing thing. And the purpose of the Jubilee was so that the people would get some really key things from God that they'd understand in their psyche in their makeup in the fabric of who they were some really important things number one to remind them that people are to live their lives in total dependence on God 
That's why you have this whole thing where you, where you, you let the land go fallow and rest and you don't do anything with it because actually it reminds you that we're to live our lives in total dependence on God. Number two, to remind ourselves that everything we have belongs to the Lord. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And what we have, what God has given us, what he's blessed us with, all really belongs to him anyway. And thirdly, to remind the people that they are to live their lives in total freedom. Total freedom and liberty. Free from debt. Free from slavery. Free from fear and condemnation. And, and that's in the Jewish psyche. That's in the Jewish mind and understanding. And when Jesus says, and now it's been fulfilled in your hearing, he's saying something really bold and it gets him into a lot of trouble. He's saying, I am ushering in not a year of Jubilee, but an age of Jubilee. And so what he's declaring is this. Now there's going to be favor for the poor. There's going to be blessing for the poor. And you know what? You don't have to be economically or materially poor to be poor. You know, our team is in Zambia at the moment. They're just starting to work today. They had their travel day Friday and yesterday, a setup day. They'll, they'll be working. They'll be in the community. They'll be in communities. And I've walked in these communities as well. They're some of the poorest communities you can imagine. The average life expectancy for a male is 34 years of age. Most of the young guys they're going to find in the community will not have jobs. They will be drunk by the time this service finishes. In fact, they'll be drunk now. And they're going to be walking in amongst that with orphans and vulnerable kids and and just incredible material poverty. But you know, the people in those communities are rich in lots of other ways. You see, you don't just have to be materially poor to be poor. You can be relationally poor. You can be morally poor. You can be spiritually poor. And Jesus says, Jubilee is about blessing and favor on all of the poor, whatever strand it is. There's favor and blessing on the prisoners. You know, you can be in prison, incarcerated in prison and be the freest person around. And you can be walking around with your liberty and be so bound by addictions and by life controlling habits and by fear and by the words of the past and by influence of other people that you can be more in captivity than someone inside a prison. And Jesus says there's favor and there's blessing on the prisoners. There's favor and blessing for the blind. And there's all types of blindness, not just physical, but spiritual blindness. Blindness where you can't see hope or future for your life. And then finally, Jesus says, and there's favor and blessing on the oppressed. Not just those of you that are oppressed by spiritual forces, but those of you that are oppressed by social injustice, by bad circumstances, by oppressive other people. And can I just say something here as well? There's a leaflet at the back, right in the middle of the table. It's, it's issued by Open Doors. You have heard of that organization. I want to encourage you to go and have a look at that. Because I don't know about you, but the situation in Syria is incredibly harrowing, isn't it? And as well as praying, which I'm sure we all do, we can also kind of add our voice to try and speak into that situation. And Open Doors have found a way that you can do that. So take a little look at that and engage with that. It's so important. And so Jesus says there's all this kind of stuff. It's all going to happen in Jubilee. Now... It doesn't all happen instantly and we know that there are still people who are poor and who are blind and who are oppressed and who are all of that. But we know that Jesus is at work within that, don't we? One day, all of that is going to be perfect. But right now, we're working towards that. It's here and not yet come. That's the kingdom, isn't it? It's here and not yet come. It's kind of coming and here at the same time. It's all a mystery. But we understand that God is at work setting people free. And what's going to happen now is that Simon's going to come and... 
introduce a few people to you who are going to tell you a little bit of their story about some measure of freedom that they've been experiencing through the Freedom in Christ course that we run here at the church. Okay, that's just one aspect of it, but hopefully that will encourage you and inspire you to think about what that could mean for your life as well. Yeah, the Freedom in Christ course, it's a, it's a fantastic course. And I know many of you uh, have been through that course, and there's about 50 people on it at the moment, which is fantastic. And as Leon said there, most of you know my story. Some of you know my story. I was in a literal prison, incarcerated, but it was the freest I'd ever been that's in my great. life. And, and that's what Jesus came to do, wasn't it? To give us freedom, and it's something that we have to take daily. And you're going to hear some, some, some uh, stories of some of the other guys here. So I want to invite James. I want to invite Iris, uh, and then Al, if he's here. Al Jusen, fantastic. If you want to give these guys a round of applause, and welcome them up. Take a seat, guys. And beautiful lady there. <laughs> fantastic. So, um, yeah, so you're all on the Freedom in Christ course at the moment. Al and, and James, you're, you're doing it. Iris, you've been on it a number of times now and actually leading it which is fantastic just start with Al if you can just introduce yourself tell us a bit about yourself and then why you, you're on the Freedom in Christ course that'd be fantastic uh, my name is Alistair Dewson um, I've been uh, a part of the church for probably about 30 years now um, I probably thought that I didn't really need to go on a Freedom in Christ course perhaps that's something for people who are new Christians or young people but my daughter wanted to go, and I thought, well, I'll go and support her. And I think right from the first uh, session, I realised, actually, there's some good stuff here. This is for me as well. And I would say that we're both really getting a lot out of it at the moment. Fantastic. And James? Yep, my name is James Sinsel. Uh, we moved here about a year ago. Uh, my wife actually said I should go. <laughs> <laughs> there is some truth in that. Um, now, I've uh, had some experiences with individual people and uh, just talking about freedom and kind of walking through those things, and I had never done an official course uh, before. And uh, when it was offered here, I thought, man, that's incredible. Um, I'm in a huge transition in my life. Um, what a great opportunity for God to remind me of certain things uh, about what he says about who I am and uh, what he thinks about my life. So yeah, I've been taking the, the course, and it's really been incredible, uh, really taking that opportunity to be uh, transparent and, um, and really allowing myself to uh, really hear what God has to say and, and to walk in that. Fantastic. Iris. Um, yes, I've done it many times, but I am part of the leading of it now, and that's a great place to be. And when I first did it, when it first came, it was just an opportunity, I suppose, to learn a little more. But more than that, to, to push my Christian life on. And I think I said in the first, I'd, I'd heard so much from the platform, certainly I've heard Leon say it, that if you're not careful with your Christian life, it begins when you first get saved and it's, it's all kind of go and it seems fine. And then it kind of levels out. And, um, and sometimes that uh, can be a long process. But you can help it through. But I don't want my Christian life to be like that. I want it to keep going up, and I'm, I want to finish well, I suppose. I want to finish well. And so this was an opportunity when I first want, went to freedom 
to really push that right up. I didn't actually know what I was going into, and I'd still be doing it, but there I am. Fantastic. And then just back to Al, if you can just share briefly what's in, I know you're partway through the course, um, but what's impacted you the most so far? Um, I think what's impacted me most really is the realisation that, you know, every day, every hour, we're constantly making choices about things, what we're going to do, what we're going to say, what we're going to think, etc., etc. And uh, I think because there's so many choices, we do things automatically a lot of the time without really thinking about them. And being sort of bombarded through the course with all these fantastic truths about what God thinks about us and what we are and who we are in him, suddenly, yeah, I would say that that course so far has made me freer. I have been able to spend more time actually thinking about the choices that I make instead of just rushing into doing things. Uh, I really feel like I'm aligning myself really with what the truth is and, and what God wants for me. Fantastic. Yeah, I think for me it's been three things so far. Uh, the one is the amount of scripture that uh, is uh, given. Uh, just to back up some of those truths that we hear, it's not just a guy's opinion or a guy's uh, thought or his own experience, but it's the amount of scripture that's there to kind of back that up. Uh, the second thing will be the testimonies. Uh, during the video sessions, there's people that come on and give their testimonies. So you're kind of able to relate at some level uh, with someone else that might possibly be in that same situation you're in. And then the third thing is our table group. Uh, just hearing the other testimonies and the, the responses of how God's changing and challenging people, uh, it really kind of encourages me as well that you know God is in our midst and he's moving and he's active and he is transforming lives. I think for me it's change. It's just the fact that how much it can change you how much you can learn about the scripture, how much you can learn about people, like James said, but it's just how much you're open for God to teach you. And, and, and learning's a process always. It's not an opt-out because you get a certain age. Everybody can learn. And to begin to do that and keep on learning, keep on a kind of moving towards God, or is it the other way? God moving towards you probably is. So everything I hear on the course, it's like something gets added on every time, every time I go, and I've done it loads of times now. But I learn, just like James is in the group now, I mean, and we learn a lot from each other, how we share together. And that's very special. But please, my plea to you is don't stop learning. Don't shut your mind down to what God has for you. Keep it open all the time. You might get a few shocks along the way, but generally speaking... The move is fantastic, and the change can be permanent. Yeah, that's great. Just want to encourage you, really, most of you have been on that, and you've got the books, you've got the resources, and it's a fantastic tool um, to, to, to just invest into your life. Don't just leave the books in a drawer somewhere. Get them out, read them. You've got the cards there. They were fantastic, and we had a period of those declaring them over your lives. I want to encourage you to use them. If you haven't done the course, I want to encourage you to maybe think about it. We've got that session on Monday the 18th, Forgiveness from the Heart. That could be a taster there for some of you guys as already. Um, a lot of you signed up for that, which is fantastic. And then some of you guys that have done the course and wish to do the steps there again, 
That's on the 23rd of June. And if you want to come along to that, you're more than welcome. It's an amazing course. And like I said, we've, we've seen lives transformed, people set free. Uh, and and the, just the expression on people's faces is just amazing as I come into that. Sometimes after the Steps Day, the Monday night, it's a celebration, really. It's a party. You just see something has been lifted there. It's awesome. And then just Wednesday, if I can quickly share this. When last week, week last Wednesday, I was at Rendezvous just speaking there. And, and I was speaking about the freedom in Christ and, and what it does and, and, and some of the declarations that, that God speaks over your life. Uh, and after, I had this lady come up to me. And she goes, Simon, what you just shared there was a blessing. And if it was only for me, then, then I thank you because it was truly a blessing. And then she went on to tell this story. She said she had a husband who had dementia and he was getting seriously ill. And she'd prayed for strength for God to, to help him, to help her look after him. Um, but it got increasingly more difficult. Uh, and she called in respite care. During this time, she went on holiday for four days. Um, and he got worse and he passed away during that time. Um, she lived with a guilt for so long that she should have prayed harder to God for more strength to help him to help her look after him. And then she said after me, after after that Wednesday, she goes, Simon, I've been released from that. I know that's not from God. So that's just powerful. That's just one of the stories there, which are amazing. So thank you, thank you guys. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks, guys. That's brilliant. And just to back that up there, there's, there's, they're in a course at the moment, but in two weeks tomorrow, Monday the 18th of June, there's one session which is open to anyone, so you can come along for that one session on forgiveness. And again, that might just give you a taster if you then want to sign up for the course later on. You can sign up for that at the back as well. Just as we come towards communion, I'm trying to think about like a... Um, uh, an analogy to give you, to help you, you know, because over the next few days, you're going to hear and see loads about Jubilee, all right? You'll be Jubileed out in about three days, okay, if you're not already. But I want you to think Jubilee is much more than red, white, and blue bunting, okay? There's a bigger concept to the word and concept of Jubilee. And here's a modern illustration to try and explain it to you, I suppose. How many of you have ever been on a computer and you've got frustrated? All right, staff will tell you I am rubbish when it comes to that. Um, nine times out of ten, what I'll do straight away is hit the reset button. Just want to hit a reset button, just a refresh button, just start over again. Jubilee's about that. It's basically God saying, I'm going to hit the reset button. It's going to refresh the whole thing. We're going to start the whole thing again. Wouldn't that be amazing? And that's the truth of what Jubilee is really all about. And the reset button in the Old Testament, the understanding of when Jubilee started was, was actually on a certain day, the tenth day of the seventh month, which was the day of atonement. The day when the priest would make a sacrifice. The problem was, in the Old Testament, he kept having to make the sacrifices time after time again. And really, there was no real reset going on. There was no real refresh going on. There was no real cleansing. There was no real freedom. And in fact, it says in the book of Hebrews, day after day... Every priest stands and performs his religious duties again and again. He offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest, when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. The Old Testament Day of Atonement, we would call in the New Testament Good Friday. When this, sacri- this sacrifice, the spotless Lamb of God, did the ultimate sacrifice which we're going to celebrate and God pressed the refresh, reset button and we can know freedom. Isn't that great? We can know Jubilee. We can live in Jubilee all the time because of what Jesus has done for us. So three things I want you to think about. Number one, Jubilee reminds us that we are to live our life in total dependence on God. So, 
What areas of your life do you need to trust God in more? Is there one thing you've kept back from surrendering to God in fear that you might lose it? Number two, Jubilee reminds us that we're to recognize that everything we own belongs to God. So my question, how is that reflected in your life in the way that you view your stuff? In the way that you view your stuff? In the way that you give? In the way that you view your house and all that God has given you? How is that belief reflected in the way that you live? And thirdly, Jubilee reminds us that we are to live our lives in the freedom that he has won for us. Two questions. Is there an area of your life that you're not living in freedom in? And if there is... What are you going to do about it? Wouldn't it be awesome if over this Jubilee weekend you said, you know, God, I'm going to start to do something about that area in my life where I'm not living in freedom. And I'm going to start to do something by your help so that I move into the freedom that you have already won for me. And another question, is there another person in your life who perhaps owes you? may not be financially, but there's a sense of debt to you. And there's a sense of forgiveness that you could give to them you could declare a jubilee over them. Wouldn't that be amazing? That they owe you, and you might think, oh yeah, but they owe me and they haven't paid me back. But you could choose to give them a jubilee over this period. Wouldn't that be absolutely awesome? And I want to finish before we take communion by reading a story to you. I've read it many times. I'm sure all of you have heard it. But every time I read this, I think, wow, the power of this. There is no story that I know that is as powerful at communicating what I'm trying to say as this and that leads us into communion, I don't think, as well as this. So let me read it to you. Imagine this scene from a courtroom trial in South Africa. A frail black woman stands slowly to her feet. She's about 70 years of age. Facing her from across the room are several white police officers, one of whom, Mr. Vanderbrook, has just been tried and found implicated in the murders of both the woman's son and her husband some years before. It was indeed Mr. Vanderbrook, it has now been established, who'd come to the woman's home a number of years back, taken her son, shot him at point-blank range, and then burned the young man's body on a fire while he and his officers parted nearby. Several years later, Vanderbrook and his security police colleagues had returned to take away her husband as well. For many months, she heard nothing of his whereabouts, Then almost two years after her husband's disappearance, Vanderbrook came back to fetch the woman herself. How vividly she remembers that evening, going to a place beside a river, where she was shown her husband, bound and beaten, but still strong in spirit, lying on a pile of wood. The last words she heard from his lips, as the officers poured gasoline over his body and set him aflame, were these, Father, forgive them. And so now this woman stands in the courtroom and listens to the confessions offered by this policeman. A member of South Africa's Truth and Reconciliation Commission turns to her and asks, So, what do you want? How should justice be done to this man who has so brutally destroyed your family? I want three things, she says. First, I want to be taken to the place where my husband's body was burned so I can gather up the dust and give his remains a decent burial. She pauses, then continues. My husband and son were my only family. So I want, secondly, I want Mr. Vanderbrook to become my son. I'd like for him to come twice a month to the ghetto where I live and spend the day with me so that I can pour out on him whatever love I still have remaining inside of me. And finally, she says, I want a third thing. I'd like Mr. Vanderbrook to know that I offer him my forgiveness because Jesus Christ died to forgive This was also the wish of my husband, 
And so I'd kindly ask that someone comes to my side and leads me across the courtroom so that I can take him in my arms, embrace him, and let him know he is truly forgiven. How amazing is that? Unbelievable. As the court assistants came to lead the elderly woman across the room, Mr. Vanderbrook, overwhelmed by what he just heard, fainted. And as he does, those in the courtroom, friends, family, neighbours, all victims of decades of oppression and injustice, began to sing softly but assuredly, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Now I know that's about the most dramatic story you can ever hear, isn't it? But it just encapsulates the whole heart of what I'm trying to say this morning. Jubilee. What she gave him was jubilee. She gave him freedom. Press the reset button. And she could only do that because she'd had that herself. And so we're going to come and going to ask the guys to come back. In a moment, we're going to take communion. And, you know, I want to try and connect these symbols for you because as well as speaking into Jubilee and as praying for the Queen and enjoying garden parties and watching the TV, and that's important that we do all of that. I want to connect up for you the symbols that you'll see with these symbols because actually they, they are connected because these symbols speak of real Jubilee. Real freedom. And they speak of the amazing grace that you and I have received. Why don't we pray for a moment? Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for your amazing grace. We want to thank you for your incredible love for us. And we pray, Lord, as we take communion now, as many of us have done many, many times. God, I want to pray that by your spirit, you would be here. And that you, Lord, would reveal to us just how much we're loved. Just how free we really are. And God, as we take, eat and drink, Lord, I pray that not only will we receive this freedom again today, but we will be people who give it out. We'll be people who give jubilee to others as well. Lord, I thank you for yesterday and the people that were contacted through us in the town and all of the thousand people that took a leaflet and just had a smile and a nice and a, a best wishes from us and those that we got into conversation with and those that we didn't. God, I pray that you'd be at work in their lives today as well. So, Father, as we worship you now, I pray, God, for your presence and your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen.